0: The merciful thing in the world, I think, is the inability of the human mind to correlate all its contents. Someday the piecing together of dissociated knowledge will open up such terrifying vistas of reality and of our frightful position therein, that we shall either go mad from the revelation or flee from the light into the peace and safety of a new dark age. Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror the Card Game, I'm your host Frank, and today I'm joined by.
1: It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hello, Peter. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's it's quite windy here. Uh, there's a ominous gale blowing outside. Ooh, uh, ho- ominous gale. Ho- hopefully, it's not a black wind. But okay, we'll, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. I like this ominous gale, not just a you know a strong
1: gale, a gale that sort of pretends something. Ghastly. yeah oh absolutely yeah yeah it's there's a there's a whisper on the wind for sure
0: oh okay, that's
1: good. that's getting
0: me uh feeling uncomfortable already <laughs> uh, let's think about the human mind today, listener, we're gonna talk about something I suppose it's a sort of a bit of a halfway house episode, isn't it peter because we we want to talk about an investigator that we've not covered in an investigator specific episode, but we're not really ready to do a full investigator specific episode on this investigator so we're going to try and do a sort of some thoughts about that investigator
1: is that yeah, fair it, to it, say it, yeah absolutely it was an interesting puzzle that you presented us with earlier this week and we had a good conversation about it and i think it's the kind of thing i'd like to share with the listeners so here we are drawn to the flame interesting or actually interesting uh i think actually interesting Okay. I mean, I hope so. I mean, I hope there's a good crossover in people listening to us who, who, you know, there's an overlap in those two interestings.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, by way of prelude to this listener, on our Patreon, and I know that we keep mentioning Patreon, but this actually, I'm not not mentioning it to encourage you to go become a patron. But on our Patreon, there's an article up there, uh, just a blog post that I wrote about just some thoughts about deck building. And it was... A sort of comparative exercise comparing Finn Edwards and Carolyn Fern. And this was, I think, part of what Peter and I were wrestling with behind the scenes, which was how do you build a deck for Carolyn, particularly how do you build a deck for Carolyn solo? So we're going to be talking about Carolyn this episode and kind of diving into that and also maybe replaying some of what we talked about earlier in the week off air. And hopefully that will be of use to the listener. Sounds good. I In that article, I'd chosen to, to compare Finn and Carolyn, and that's partly because I've been playing as Finn solo recently, but I think Finn was also on my mind because you've been playing as him as well, Peter, right?
1: Yeah, a, a friend of mine has picked up Arkham and uh, we're playing back through the Dunwich legacy with him for the first time, obviously myself and my, my, my friend. Uh, have been through a couple of times, and I just fancy trying Finn because I, I I like his card pool, and I don't often play rogues, so it was mm. a good chance to experiment a bit outside my comfort zone.
0: Yeah, payday and fence kind of.
1: Yeah, I've had it, it's. <laughs> I don't know whether it's it's necessarily a, a good deck with a capital G, uh, <laughs> but it's certainly a fun deck with a capital F. Okay, good. Oh, well done with your capitals there. Yeah.
0: And it's it's funny you mentioned getting out of your comfort zone, because I think part of what sparked some of this conversation was that you had gone for the big man on campus, Peter Sylvester, as one of your allies. And you'd sent me a deck and we're talking about what upgrades you wanted to do. And it looked like you were leaning into the kind of classic Dunwich path of charisma and lots of good allies. And I reacted Fairly negatively. It, it, it definitely
1: <laughs> rub- rubbed you up the wrong way. So, it, it was, I think it was my attitude that taking Pete in Finn was, was a given. And also, Lola, who I'd used the first time, uh, who was absolutely fantastic, wanted mm. to keep her. So, I was like, well, obviously, I need to pick up Charisma. And then you said to me quite rightly, well, you know, you run a Pete in your decks all the time, Peter. Why not try something a little bit different? And, you know, you've had a lot of success running Finn without Pete anyway. When I
0: last ran Finn, I actually swapped out Peter Sylvester fairly quickly because I appreciate that he heals horror for Finn. But the way I was playing was I don't hang around long enough for horror to be a problem. I'd go really fast, smash all your tests, try to just take all the willpower tests on the chin and move on. And this idea that you would carefully build a way that horror is not a problem for you, I, I sort of had not bought into. But, I mean, that might be my own... Like sort of thoughts about Finn, but I wanted to encourage you to to try something different, I suppose. And I did
1: ultimately. I, I've gone in a different direction that deck now. We'll have to see how it does in the Essex County Express, which is our next one. Yeah, but now when Finn
0: is destroyed on turn yeah, two, just like piles the, and piles the, of horror. <laughs> the, <laughs> if only I message. had one
1: more agility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that would be dreadful. Okay, I'm already nervous about that now. Well, and funnily enough, a deck I've been playing recently, I'm not one for charisma and loads of allies. And I think I'm not not really because allies are expensive and it's hard to get one ally down, let alone two, particularly in solo. But I've actually been playing a deck with seven allies in it and charisma. Not a Leo deck as well, I hasten to add. Maybe we'll talk about that later on. Okay, so how does all of this relate to Carolyn
1: then? Yeah, I, well, I was going to say that's a good question, Frank. <laughs> <How> <laughs> does this very relate very much. Carolyn.
0: Yeah, this relates to Carolyn, I suppose, because underlying our conversation about Finn was ideas of w- what are the established norms with this deck? How do you approach building a deck? What are good good or bad choices for a Finn deck? And I, meanwhile, had been building a Carolyn deck solo, and I'd played three scenarios, and I think I'd got the same amount of XP in three scenarios solo that you'd got... In one scenario, no, I think I got I got less than you had got. I'd got yes. six XP over three scenarios. Yeah, so, we would um, got eight from
1: the museum. <laughs> so I hold my hand up
0: here, listener. I'm obviously, I'm not. That was that another good. thing that rubbed
1: rub, rubbed you up the wrong way was that I was like, oh yeah, we got eight experience, and you were saying, oh well, I only got six. And I yeah, also had- I was saying. <laughs> Saying i got six over the campaign. <laughs> yeah, and I hadn't realised you were talking about the campaign. I thought you'd done okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Then yeah. I realised that was actually three scenarios.
0: So there's there's so many ways that you can start to analyse why that's happened and why that's gone wrong. But our conversation about Finn and what you should take morphed into a conversation about Carolyn. And the more we spoke, the more I think we both came to the realisation, I'm just going to speak for you here, Peter, that... Carolyn's actually like an incredibly complicated investigator. And what seems on the surface as fairly straightforward gets really knotty when you start to think about questions of solo, of team composition, of what she can and can't take.
1: I must admit, I I was, (laughs) you you don't like making things easy for yourself. Because when you look at Carolyn, and we'll take a look at her card in a second, just to remind everyone what she looks like, she's not built for solo play really. I feel like I I look at her and immediately she says to me, support character or character with at least some emphasis on healing. That's probably easier to manage in a multiplayer game where other people, you can save other characters time by healing them. So they don't have to worry about passing tests, which are causing damage. Mm. So, you know, as an example, Roland is able to walk to a location where there's a clue with an enemy on him and then kill the enemy. Without any healing, that's something Roland can only do a limited number of times before he's, you know, he's he's dangerously close to dying. With Carolyn on board, that's the kind of thing she can help with. And there's lots of things that, you know, different characters, you don't have to worry about that emergency mitigation for taking too much horror or too much damage. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly,
0: she weirdly pairs quite nicely with other Guardians because Guardians in particular have that. Achilles heel of low sanity and she's all about horror and healing that and then yeah also Agnes as well obviously is a that to me jumps out as a great target well you mentioned support Peter and there's someone else who really agrees with you on that I actually reached out to Matt Newman as well because I was bashing my head so much about Carolyn and it was part of a wider conversation we'd just been having and he said uh, that she was definitely designed as a support character and she's playable in Solo, but her strengths clearly lie in multiplayer. And he then went on to make some other points that maybe will come up later in the the episode. But I actually pushed back with him and said, so do you have characters that fit in in certain boxes? You know, is it that behind the scenes, everyone actually has a sort of specific role? And he said, no, 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 no. He meant more support character and kind of air quotes Like that's clearly the sort of role that she would fulfill, but you could refuse to fulfill that role if you wanted to in the way that you could like put all seeker cards in Roland and refuse to fight if you, if you wanted to, Yeah,
1: it's possible. But I I guess like we've talked before about how some characters are certainly more suited to solo play or to multiplayer play. mm, And that's fine. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you want a more smooth solo experience, there are characters you can pick, which will carry you through that. If you want to challenge yourself, the classic example would be Calvin, you can pick yeah. other characters which offer a different kind of experience.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So I, I ventured
0: into this Carolyn deck build w- wanting to challenge myself, but also just wanting to see what it's about. And the thing is as well that when I last played Carolyn in multiplayer... We got six cultists in Midnight Masks. And I think that was the first time I'd ever done it. Was so, that on, a, on a team then? On a team, yeah. So my ex- early experience of Carolyn had been that she was very powerful. So I think I still had that in the back of my head as I approached to build her solo. And it, I didn't just grab my multiplayer deck, but I wonder if that was still kind of floating around in the back of my head that she can power through scenarios, that sort of thing, and... Well, listener, I was in for a big surprise. <laughs> okay, let's look at her card. So, she's a psychologist. She's got three willpower, four intellect, and then a measly two combat and two agility. So, her stat line is exactly the same as Daisy's minus one intellect. And she's one of these people who actually has a lower than average stat line, she's shorter stat. She's got six health and nine sanity, so she's like the Danish gators with lots. And her reaction ability is after one of your card effects heals horror for an investigator or ally asset, the healed cards controller gains one resource. So if I heal you, Peter, and you're playing the skids, you get a resource for me healing you. I guess because I'm, I'm making you feel stronger and more powerful and the resources might represent that. Um, if you think of resources as money, it doesn't make sense because I'm paying you to get better which is weird. What about her deck building?
1: So we are deck size of 30. We have deck building options. That's guardian cards, level 0 to 3. Neutral (laughs) cards, level 0 to 5. Cards that, inverted commas, heal horror, level 0 to 5. Up to 15 seeker and or mystic cards, level 0 to 1. And then her requirements, which do not count towards deck size. Hypnotic therapy, rational thought, and one random basic weakness. However... Most people, well, everyone who will have her so far, except maybe Matt Matt Newman, will have the replacement weakness and uh, asset cards, Mm, which are uh, foolishness and to fight the Blackwing. And finally, she has an additional restriction, which is that she can't have weapon cards level 1 to 5. So a couple of things jump straight out there, which is that she can still have level 0 weapon cards. Yep. She can have cards from any class that heal horror of any level uh, and those cards don't count towards her seeker or mystic limitation yes or her guardian restriction of zero to three so she could take a level four guardian card that heals horror or she could take you know a level zero seeker card that heals horror but that wouldn't count towards the fifteen.
0: So it starts to
1: get pretty confusing. Yeah, already we're into caveats and, you know, the ways it's a bit... It's not a simple thing just to wrap your head around straight away.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because we don't yet know her proper signature
0: cards, we don't want to do an investigator-specific episode for Carolyn because we can't talk about hypnotic therapy or rational thought. And those cards might really change up how she plays. They might help her more in solo. We don't know.
1: And also, when she comes out, there might be other cards in that pack which instantly work with her Um, and we've seen that with most of the investigators they often have not necessarily direct support cards but certainly cards that you can use with that investigator I mean I'm thinking of things like Taunt which came out in Dunwich Legacy along with Zoe and there's a yeah direct you know synergy between those two cards yeah Gravedigger Shovel and Lantern and Yorick
0: exactly yeah (laughs) those sorts of cards so We may well see that. That that was one question that you've got to keep in your head throughout all of this discussion is, are there enough cards for Carolyn to work legitimately, solo or otherwise? You could build a deck for her, but is it actually a good deck? That, that kind of was circling around our conversation earlier in the week, wasn't it, Peter? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. One of the things I ended up thinking about as I was knocking my head against these deck building options is that there's a incredible amount of freedom there that's hiding underneath all of these different stipulations and rules and things like that so the heals horror cards there aren't that many outside of guardian seeker and mystic but there are enough that you have to think about them so the big man on campus peter sylvester is a Heels horror card he heals horror and similarly liquid courage heals horror and then i think there's only a couple more we talked about this before we recorded this cheat death the level five rogue card, and there's the Ancient Stones' Minds in Harmony, so one of the upgraded versions of Ancient Stones. And because she can take Seeker level one cards, she can take the lower level Ancient Stones, and then she could upgrade into the higher level Ancient Stones as long as she takes Minds in Harmony because it is a a Heals Horror card.
1: Yeah, and because the the other option isn't valid for her, if you use one of your 15 level... Zero to one seeker slots on Shrewd analysis you get you, you pick two at random, but there's only one option so you pick two of the level f- uh, for minds in harmony ancient stones when you upgrade so mm-hmm. rather than investing 10xp on that, you end up investing six
0: because you spent 2xp to get the originals in and then another no three So three it thre- Cause is it three because up- up- the name is the same
1: yeah, you're upgrading yeah. Even though the subtitle is different, I'll check that. I'm pretty sure that's right. Okay, because it, it by name is that you you can only have two by
0: name, yeah. Even if they're acidic eye and restorative concoction, yeah. I can't pick,
1: you know, six um, strange solutions, can I? No,
0: that's right. Okay, so yeah, you're right. You're right there. So then it's three for five XP for both, rather than eight. Yes. Yeah quick
1: maths yes it is that's right
0: (laughs) saving of three for using up one of your mystic and seeker 15 cards level zero to one 15 off class cards let's talk about that that seems like a lot and I approached it first thinking about it like the dunwich investigators where when you only got five off class cards you want them to be really impactful you maybe want them to shore up a weakness that your investigator can't handle already or just a way of adding a little bit of spice or tech depending on the campaign you're playing so like a cheeky liquid courage in an investigator who wouldn't normally take it like a zoe because you're about to play Carcosa and you want to be topping up on horror things like that are lucky in gym because you're you're manipulating the chaos bag enough that you can use that kind of thing but when it expands to being half your deck can be mystic or seeker cards it stops being that kind of crazy splash all those odd things and you need to start thinking quite carefully about how you optimise what you choose and how that those choices are going to improve your investigator. But I think it goes a step further with Carolyn. Carolyn's stat line looks like Daisy, looks like a seeker or a mystic. And suddenly, up to 15, the way I was feeling it felt like more was only 15. It was like a, a cap that... Yeah. In Roland or in Daisy, you can you could put your whole deck as off class, but Carolyn can only ever go up to half of her deck off class. She does have a choice of two off classes, but she's she's hard capped at how much she can go. And then you know, with the next point is that she can only go up to level one with her off class as well. So you're never going to end up with those pretty decent impactful level two cards in a faction, like a levelled-up deduction, say. So that that in itself was tricky and left me realising that up to 15 actually felt more like limit 15. And I sort of was knocking my head against that. And I had started by putting in all of the secret Mystic cards I wanted and then realised I was sort of filling in the gaps of my deck with Guardian cards. And my first deck, I think we should probably mention, it had some... It had shriveling and enraptured and some willpower things. But then it also had machete and tried to do a bit of fighting normally because I didn't feel like I had quite enough combat solutions just from my mystic cards. So I needed to sort of shore those up with guardian cards. But of course, they're using a different statistic. So you end up never quite having enough icons to do what you want to do. And her willpower isn't so stellar that you feel confident shriveling anything in sight. So that left me... Yeah, pretty stuck. I think it's fair to say that deck was a bit of a mess.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, when I looked at it, I just I, I was like, what, what has happened, Frank? Are you okay? <laughs> so, it wasn't okay. <laughs> and I think, again, that contributed towards you being a bit moody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the moodiness really contributed from just having a rough three scenarios. <laughs> that was the main moodiness. Yeah. We unpicked that deck. And I think we just basically start again from scratch. Our typical approach, or my typical approach to deck building, is often to build your strengths. And if you're in multiplayer, you can let someone else worry about your weaknesses. Mm. Yeah, and hopefully your weaknesses are covered by someone else's strength. And then you can maybe put a little bit of mitigation in. Uh, however, in solo, you don't have that luxury. You sort of have to cover all the bases yourself. But I guess what I couldn't see is the angle for Carolyn to engage with the game, that she needs to find clues and fight enemies. But both of those things have to come out of her off-faction cards. So you need the Seeker cards to find the clues, and then you need the Mystic cards to fight the enemies.
0: Yeah, and you're limited to only 15.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And so then uh, what what do you then do with another 15 neutral and guardian cards mm. and this was sort of the the problem we we ended up with and we ended up talking about quite a lot
0: yes and then the
1: follow-up problem i think of that
0: is that at that point the front of carolyn's card is essentially blank or her reaction ability is useless because her reaction ability is all about taking horror to then leverage that into a resource advantage if you can heal that horror in a more efficient way than you than Other investigators might, so you sort of somehow turn healing into yeah, generating lots of resources. But those resources then, what do they do? You know, if you've just been hit a loads of times by enemies, unless you're piling your resources into skill boosters to try and pass tests. It wasn't quite clear how that works in solo. To me, if I'm taking a lot of horror or damage in solo, normally that means the scenario is going poorly because I haven't been able to kill enemies engaged with me or escape from enemies engaged with me, or it means I'm failing tests that are sort of setting me back. You know, going back to that Finn example earlier, if I'm being defeated by horror in Finn, it means I've hung around too long. (laughs) It's not an inevitability if you can go quickly, but with Carolyn, you want to get those hits to get the resources, but then the resources don't necessarily stop further hits. It It was a puzzle.
1: So what did we try and do when we
0: boiled it back down to basics? I remember a lot of the conversation circling around how do you handle enemies? Because that to me is the biggest Achilles heel for Carolyn. And it was a decision point then. Do you go with a machete and you take enough combat boosts? Or do you actually lean into the mystic way of dealing with enemies and you take shriveling, uh, you take enraptured to add charges to shriveling, maybe take mists, and you build towards boosting her willpower. Yeah. And one of the ways you can do that in faction, in Guardian, is with physical training. And you can yes. be slewing your resources into into willpower.
1: So that started to become the spine of our deck. And there's actually a couple of other cards you can take. St. Huthbert's Key springs to mind, uh, which I think when we were talking about it, we both forgot would come under Carolyn's Heal Horror yes Uh, ability because it when it when it's discarded uh, sorry when you would be defeated it heals to horror so it doesn't take up one of those precious 15 slots that's right and it boosts both her intellect and her willpower
0: yeah so then she's a respectable intellect five and at that point you can almost not worry too much about boosting her intellect and just sort of move on from there then the other thing i went for i'd been an initially reticent for trying this but i went for the bigger man on campus and forbidden knowledge so the the combo here is that you tap forbidden knowledge for a resource taking a horror and you put the horror on peter sylvester who then heals it at the end of the turn giving you a resource so forbidden knowledge is then uh an eight resource card as long as you've got peter sylvester down as well so it starts to become incredibly efficient as like a A drip economy. Once they're both up and running, you can be getting three resources a turn rather than your one in upkeep, and that's that's great.
1: Yeah, and those that money can be pumped into your stat boosting card uh, if you've taken physical training. It can all just shoot straight into there.
0: Yes, and the little agility boost from level zero, big man on campus, is all right. You're at three agility to evade some things or pass agility tests. But then you can also upgrade into the level two big man on campus, who gives you another willpower boost. So we were looking at static boosts to get our willpower high enough, and then maybe topping up with physical training. And I then built this deck and played it, and it did feel a lot more focused. That willpower was where Carolyn was at, and I realised we'd really built we'd built a Mystic Guardian. We'd built that that off the, the two faction match that we've not yet really had.
1: Yeah. And I think that this is one of the things we, we sort of chatted about when, when we spoke. If we focus Carolyn down one of the two streets she can go down, which is more Mystic cards than Seeker cards, she'll have Mystic 0-1, to one, unlike the other dual faction cards, which has 0-2 to two for the off-class. But then I don't know whether there's that many cards at level 2 that you can take for Mystic. There's certainly it's there's certainly a good chunk, but your key spells, so your shriveling. This is always the problem I have when I play Sifna um, that she yeah. can't upgrade a lot of her core spells. So the mists, the shriveling, the right of seeking. But
0: those are all out of reach. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So you know, there's no point in taking arcane research in Carolyn. Yeah. <laughs> but but <laughs> she, she can't she can't do that where she her action efficiency and her, her and the compression is done through spell cards. The level zero spell card. So your Mists, your Shriveling, potentially Rive right Seeking, if you want to take that.
0: Yeah. At higher levels, the other thing she can do, even though she can't take weapons, is she can take a lot of testless damage as well. So she can take Mano a Mano, Ambush, Dynamite Blast. And these cards all cost resources. I think Mano a Mano is zero, but the others cost resources. But if she's running a resource surplus paying four for an upgraded dynamite blast and not getting hit in chucking three damage is quite useful so yeah there's a sort of other option there but let's let's go back to that um mystic seeker level one because that was the other thing i hadn't really wrapped my head around listener just just pause the recording for a moment and think of how many level one mystic and seeker cards there are because i expected there to be a whole slew Have you got a number in your head? (laughs) Yeah, there are very few. There are 13 currently across both factions. So it wasn't this kind of thrilling cornucopia of powerful cards that I was going to fill my Carolyn deck with and it would sort of patch up the weaknesses. I actually discovered that there wasn't a lot there that I wanted to take. For Seeker, there's the Ancient Stone if you want to upgrade that way. There's expose weakness, level one, which I did wonder about as a way of, if I was maybe doing more guardian combat, getting combat down to a point I wanted. There's forewarned for cancellation. Uh, there's in the know and leveled up magnifying glass. And there's pathfinder, which I think is great. And then there's scientific theory, the composure that maybe you'd like if you're doing boosting. And that's it. So like nothing that's blowing my mind, maybe Pathfinder. And then for Mystic, there's Book of Shadows, which I think is a no-go. There's Ground, well, unless you're spending your resources for more charges. There's Grounded, which, given that you can get willpower boosts from physical training, is maybe a no-go. There's Mind Wipe, Protective Incantation, Sacrifice, and Spirit Athame, which you can't take because it's a weapon level one. And that's it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not it's not quite the chest of riches I was expecting to crack open as we said before, it might just be that the cards that will support Carolyn haven't been released yet. And we're we're wrestling with something that we've not yet got to. But I ended up with those cards spread out on my playing table, thinking, hang on, I don't see how much of this is going to really improve what I'm doing. I think even the mystic strategy that we're going down, there aren't too many cards there that really cry out as auto includes, maybe sacrifice as a way of getting rid of your empty shrivelings and things like that.
1: Yeah, but then even then, sacrifice gives you resources or cards, and resources in particular, Carolyn should already be pretty good at.
0: And she can get card draw from level zero cards as well. She can take preposterous sketches or laboratory assistant if you wanted to go that route.
1: Do you want to run down the off faction cards we ended up taking in the Carolyn deck? So we ended up taking Mists of Rilier and Shriveling
0: St. Hubert's Key, but that's a Heel's Horror. Peter Sylvester, that's also a Heel's Horror. And Forbidden Knowledge, so that's actually only six cards so far. We took two Delve Too Deep, because our thinking about that was we maybe weren't going to be killing all of the XP enemies, and a way of topping up XP would be useful. We took two preposterous sketches, a Storm of Spirits, two Enraptured, and two True Understanding.
1: Uh, and just out of interest, how many Guardian cards
0: ended up in the deck? Guardian cards, two Physical Training, two Take the Initiative, two Second Wind, and one Dynamite Blast, seven.
1: Wow, so that's that's a pretty low number of Guardian cards, considering that she is a Guardian. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. and uh, notably no weapons, unless you count the Dynamite. Yeah, no weapons. Technically a weapon. There's,
0: yeah, Dynamite, Storm of Spirits, and Shriveling is the ways of doing damage in the deck. And it... Yeah, it played well. Yeah. <laughs> got twice as much XP for the same three scenarios. I got 12 XP. Managed to get my two level two Peter Sylvester's after the first scenario. Then managed to get leveled up for physical training fairly quickly after that. And Pathfinder. So it was building into a pretty decent deck. But it it has all of the same restrictions that any mystic deck has. If you don't find your spells or your boosts, you're really flailing around. I wonder actually if a cheeky Mind Over Matter would would work now in this deck, just for, it's essentially pay one for a plus two boost to evade. That might've have, might have come in handy. The other thing surprisingly about this deck, or maybe unsurprisingly, is it actually was fairly clue light and it's great if you get St. Huthbert's Key down to be at five intellect. But if you don't, just getting clues natively can be a little bit tricky. So that would be something that maybe on a new iteration I'd look at again Maybe the preposterous sketches or the true understanding could be jigged into magnifying glasses or some other way of of just boosting that intellect a bit
1: yeah i mean it it's it's potentially less critical in in solo because you're you're probably going to going to have three clues the most on a location mm mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and that that's relatively rare, so having I think having clue finding compression is less important in solo than it is in in multiplayer. Once, you, especially mm-hmm. once you get up to three and four player, counts.
0: it's it's definitely it's not the compression that's the problem. It's the high shroud. Yes. that would be the challenge. You yeah. want to walk into that four shroud location, get the one clue there, and
1: get the the XP. So cards like yeah, the flashlight or the um, the working a hunch and the true understanding, they're all yeah. really good cards, aren't they? Yeah. Or yeah, that, isn't true. that isn't there a? I'm sure there's a mystic card that lets you find two clues on a location. Mm. I don't know. We'll look it up. Can't th- can't think of one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anything
0: that 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 can do do that, I think, is maybe useful. I actually found the true understanding sometimes sat in my hand because you've got to be at the right location with a clue, and sometimes I'd be at a, like a two shroud location, and I wouldn't want to commit true understanding to a willpower test when I knew I could probably pass the intellect test. Or yeah, the tests I wanted to take, I didn't have clues, or whatever it was. So that would maybe be one that I would change. Maybe I'd switch that around, maybe the preposterous sketches. So it's I'm not we're not talking about the deck as though it's perfect, but we really tacked pretty hard away from away from trying to use everything to try and keep it really focused. Yeah. The focus really paid out and it felt like in the playing of it I had much stronger idea of what cards were good and what cards weren't, or what cards were necessary for my current situation. You know, you could sort of crack on in that in that regard.
1: So, so, so ultimately, we ended up with a Carolyn deck that didn't use any weapons at all and teched heavily into Mystic to deal with enemies. Yeah, and also had, had probably high enough stats to to investigate most locations without too much trouble uh, and pass treachery tests. Mm. So you're slightly, relying, as all mystics would be, on finding your spells and then using them to deal with enemies because you're maybe struggling a bit until that happens. But you do have plenty of resources to play those high cost cards. And even if you take some damage earlier on, you've got cards to help you deal with that later on.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Damage is no bad
0: thing with Carolyn.
1: And what cards do you look at in your upgrades for this deck. I mean, the one that we haven't mentioned who is a great fit is Brother Xavier, who's a willpower boost. He's direct damage when he dies. And he's expensive. Yeah, he's big so and he's expensive, which theoretically Carolyn doesn't have too much trouble with.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would love to play that in multiplayer as well, where you've got three other investigators who can damage Brother Xavier for you. And then maybe you're running... uh, first aid or or something else to slowly heal him and paying back the resources nicely. Yeah. It's really nice. So yeah, Xavier was in there. Pathfinder was in there, leveled up physical training. As I mentioned, leveled up big man on campus. I ended up looking at ever vigilant as well as a way of just getting set up quickly, less for the resource reduction, but for the action compression it was quite useful. Uh, and I was thinking about ambush and mano, but I've not yet got to the point in a campaign Where I can do that, but with those, as soon as you start adding more guardian cards, something has to get shunted out, and if you're shunting out mystic cards, you're losing that kind of core strategy of willpower replacement effects to proceed. So that was that was kind of tricky. It's funny actually. You said about focus because one of the things that Matt said to me is that her primary strength is also about her versatility, and that because she can make a lot of resources, she's able to play a wide variety of cards and. That feeds into the fact that she has access to different classes. And then he added as well that her only real weakness is enemy confrontation. uh, And even that can be overcome with spells and willpower boosts. So we got there in the end with the second part. I can't stress enough that the range of cards available to her at level zero is something that I don't think anyone in the community has made enough of a point about. That she can take so many cards and she's got a three faction pool rather than a two faction pool. And I just just think, even though Dunwich Investigators can take any faction, because they can only take five cards, it's normally focused. And I really think with Carolyn that we're reaching a new stage of deck building in the game and a new kind of challenge. And the more we've talked about it, Peter, the more I've thought, wow, actually, I'd only really scratched the surface with what Carolyn wants you to do.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's driving home this point that we make time and time again, that the the unit of of deck building isn't faction it's card pool or it's, yeah. it's you know it's investigator specific because a mm. carolyn deck could not look more different from say a mark deck or a zoe deck mm. yeah yeah in terms of role in terms of cards yeah, yeah for sure she's probably got more in common when you build a deck with her with someone like daisy
0: yes i think so i wonder if you could end up if you went heavily seeker looking a bit like roland light or yeah you sort of yeah a halfway house roland but Yeah, I'm not sure. I think we're going to see other investigators, maybe without quite so specific deck building rules, but other investigators that maybe have a two off-class splash that's bigger than five cards. And at that point, some of this will be useful just in ways of approaching, breaking down how you build a deck for that person. And I think we're about to see, depending on what the next and who we get, maybe some really
1: wacky decks. And that's, that's kind yeah. of exciting. And actually, it, it, Carolyn's struck me that maybe a good approach to deck building is honestly flavor. What, yeah. what kind of cards would this person take? And I think maybe that's a starting point I will use uh, when we see some more investigators like Carolyn. Yeah.
0: The other investigator that I thought of as we did this, and I mentioned this at the start of the episode. I was going to say, like...
1: sp- speaking of investigators with access <laughs> to
0: three classes... Yeah, Lola Hayes, listener, Lola Hayes, we're talking about. So it's a running joke among some some friends of mine, I think, that if I ever am made to pick an investigator randomly, I'll always end up with Lola Hayes. And it turns out that that has happened and I'm due to play Lola Hayes four player very soon, which is terrifying. But in preparation for that and off the back of playing Caroline, I've been playing a Lola deck. And one of the things that's really struck me about returning to Lola is her restriction of at least seven of each of your factions is actually a lot more, it it guides you a lot more in the deck building process, because you go, right, what are my three factions minimum? And what are the seven or eight cards of each of those factions I'm definitely going to take? So whereas with Carolyn, you kind of go, well, I could take any Mystical Seeker cards, I just need to pick 15. With Lola, it's like, you have to pick seven of Rogue, so what are the seven going to be you have to pick seven of guardian say what are the seven going to be and there's actually a lot more structure in how you break down yeah. a lola deck than there is And you, in the and
1: you almost deck. she's got particular like 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 an actress she has particular roles she'll need to play and you can mm-hmm. map those to the the factions that you're picking uh, and that gives yes, you some structure yeah. so you can I can be right. Well, I'm going to be fighting Lola for a turn and I'll want to be, say, guardian when I'm fighting. So my seven guardian cards are largely going to be fighting cards. Yeah. And rather than going, I want
0: my guardian cards to shore up what my Seeker cards are doing. So I'm going to pick guardian cards that boost intellect or things like that. You don't do that. You keep it partitioned and, and stick to the roles. And that's quite useful. So yeah, returning to Lola off the back of Carolyn, I've been having a much more successful campaign. And feeling like the flow of Lola and starting to get there, which is nice. It's She's definitely still hard to pilot. But knowing what are the priorities in the deck.
1: Yeah, it's very I, good. I really liked... Because you shared your deck with me. I, I still can't get my head around Lola, so I've, I've avoided her. <laughs> I continue to avoid her. Uh, but I really liked your inclusion of Ambush in that deck. Because the, yeah. the, the, the limitation on Lola is that she can't use triggered abilities play or commit cards that aren't of her faction or neutral. Have I forgot that right. I've paraphrased yeah, a bit. Yeah, 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 no, that's So, fine. but cards with a forced reaction are uh, still triggered. Yeah, cuz it's or, not a triggered ability. Yeah. I, says, I said trigger there and it's that's that was an unfortunate choice of words. <laughs> <laughs> still uh, fire? Yeah. Still fire. Yeah. So so you can put um ambush sits on a location until an enemy is there and then it deals them damage. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And that's a forced ability, so that happens whether or not you're a guardian. So I think that that's a really nice card for Lola as she can be set up as not a guardian at the end of her turn and ready to find clues in the next turn, but then not worrying about an enemy at her location because if an enemy appears, it'll walk into an ambush, regardless of whether she's, she's ready to fight it. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. made me think you could possibly do a Lola deck with ambush and snare traps in and just... And wouldn't it? Yeah. Just just you know, let all the enemies deal themselves, switch into your your investigating class and then walk around not having to worry about them. Yeah, that's sort of like survivalist Lola. You're sort of yeah,
0: wandering around laying traps. I've noticed with that trap style, we in our Forgotten Age three player campaign we have Calvin with snare trap. And we spent most of Heart of the Elders part one with Calvin pleading with us not to kill enemies because he wanted to snare trap them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we spent more time evading them than would have been just to kill them because Calvin was spending ages to set up his snare trap in the right place, which I think was actually quite fitting for what most snare trappers are like. They spend far too much time going, <laughs> oh, I can trap this guy. It's like, or we could just kill it. The guardian is there with a rifle waiting <laughs> to shoot the boa constrictor. The trappers go, but what have we caught the beast? <laughs> <laughs> No, that could be a really fun style. And what I did, so I built this multiplayer deck for four player with things to help other people find the cards they need and with ambush and things like that to do some damage to kind of kind of be helpful as best they can be while still being Lola. And then what I did to play solo was I changed all of the cards I could do back to their level zero versions and made a few tweaks. And So I've ended up with a Guardian Rogue Seeker deck. Guardians for fighting, Seekers for clues, Rogues for running away, (laughs) you know, for doing other things. And also one of the nice things about Rogues is if you can get Leo DeLuca down, you can then not really do things in the Rogue faction and you're still getting four actions a turn because his ability is not a triggered ability. So you you can just boost your mediocre stats into four actions a turn rather than three, yeah. No, I'm having a lot of fun with Lola. And I, yeah, I definitely think there's a comparison between her and Carolyn, at least in the three-faction fac- thing. And yeah. Lola's much more structured in the way she approaches that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, my final thought on Car- Carolyn would be, it, like you say, with, with the with the, the Dunwich investigators and, and Finn, they still have that. Their main class gives you a driving force for the deck and a focus. Uh, and yet with Carolyn, that driving force is of Guardian is is crippled by the fact that you can't take weapons and you can only take level 0 to 3 cards from that main faction. Mm. So she can't really fulfill the traditional guardian role with her card pool.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So that that just gives you a huge amount of confusion that you've got to fill in her main ability through her off-class cards, which is very unusual. And like you say, Lola, you 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 can pick any three main abilities that you want. And then use your three classes to fill those in. Yeah, definitely you can. You can
0: you can maybe be a bit more selective and suddenly her stat line feels pretty decent, despite me making jokes about it. I suppose my final point on Carolyn is that we haven't even really touched on her signatures at all and foolishness and you'll maybe have been listening to this going yeah, but how are you going to get foolishness into play and how are you going to heal foolishness and all of that kind of thing? And my answer would be, I'm not. And I used it as an extra unexpected courage for all of the games I played. And I didn't even begin to put it down. And it just goes to show that there's always more to talk about. Maybe that's something we could talk about when we do a Carolyn specific episode. How do you solve a problem like foolishness? (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, we've not got there yet. Well, thanks very much for listening, listener. You can get in touch with us if you have Carolyn Thoughts. We're Drawn to the Flame podcast at gmail.com. We're Drawn to the Flame on Facebook and Twitter. And we're also on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Drawn to the Flame. Maybe go and have a look at that. Those brief thoughts about deck building for Carolyn and Finn. Maybe you have some thoughts yourself that you want to share with us.
1: I tell you what, Frank, are you going to publish the Carolyn deck we ended upon?
0: on? Uh, no, i would probably delete it now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I could do. I could do. Yeah. Oh, if people are interested, they can always get in touch.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or I could put the link link in the in the
1: description. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me on the Twitter, uh, and the Discord and the Reddit a little bit. I am united everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. Uh, I'm no longer doing the card of the day. That's At all. come to an end. No. No. Uh, Breaking someone else news. Is, though. <laughs> wow. Someone else is. And their username is Cardi McDay. <laughs> no, no, it's not Cardi McDay. Uh, it's now being done by Blitz Seven Two Two. So they've okay. they've picked it up for me. I, I, I've sent them over the templates and stuff. Eventually, they asked me months ago, and I I, I missed the message. So I've sent them over wow. the template, and they've picked up where I left off. So yeah, they still it's all the same great stuff in the threads. So if you're on the Reddit, check those out. And I, I must apologise, just <laughs> life's got in the way, you know. Uh, how can people I get in say, touch with you, Frank?
0: Um, I'm FB on Twitter, that's underscore... No, it's not underscore, it's EPH underscore BEE. It shows how much I'm on Twitter, and I'm around the places, Zui Glass or Zozo, so do say
1: hello. Oh, one, one, one other thing, can we mention? Mm, yeah. Uh, just to briefly mention, some... People we know, uh, another podcast, the Unlucky Frog Gaming podcast, we did an interview with them. Just uh, should, it'll be live when you hear this episode. It was the beginning of October. So we talk about actually some non-Arkham stuff. So we talk about how we met. Uh, we talk about other card games and other games we play. Uh, uh, some of our thoughts on the gaming industry and the Lovecraft mythos and gaming and also partworks. works. I listened back and we spent a lot of time talking about partworks. works. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. But it was good fun. And check out their podcast because they're a really great group of people. Mm. They're doing some really cool podcasts, a lot of work. Yeah, so listen to our interview if you want to hear that and then listen to their podcast as well. Episode 88,
0: 88 if you're looking for it, um, if there have been more up since we put this one up. Great. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Some day the piercing piecing uh,
1: bleh, bleh. One for the bloopers.